Yo. Cool. Welcome to Postmodem. Yo. Postmodem 2013 edition. Yeah, Postmodem we're all sick edition. Yes, we are all terribly ill. I'm I'm not sick. Well, eat shit, Philip. <laughs> yeah, fuck I, you, I, man. I I don't mean to rub it in, but I but I do. <sighs> fuck you. Yes. Although now I'm going to get sick because I fucking said that, so. Yep. Of course. Um, so, Colin, you were in Hawaii. I was in Hawaii, yeah, visiting my family. That's where I grew up, uh, born and raised, everything, whole zero to 18 type deal. And, and Philip had the same situation except Texas. Yeah, for, for an entire month. That's pretty good. A month is a long time. Yeah, I really needed a nice long vacation, and uh, you know. It, oh it, yeah, it, for sure. Yeah, it helped. Uh, although after like a good like three weeks in like Corpus Christi, I was like, "Get me the fuck out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but like, I got into like some real Texas shit. Like, I had the most Texan Christmas I've ever had, which which is surprising because I I lived there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I spent. I spent a week in Austin. That was that was fairly normal, just kind of hanging around, uh, meeting up with old friends and stuff. But then I went to Corpus Christi, and uh, it, it, I just this this time, like normally, I just hang out with like a couple friends that I knew from school that like I was really close with, and we just kind of hang around and bullshit. But this time, I was like, you know what, guys, you need to fucking get deal with your hangups, and we're gonna go out and do weird shit. That people do here <laughs> because they're always like, and no. Philip was never seen again. <laughs> so, so the first the first thing we did was we went to a country music show, which we don't do, but at people at large there do. Um, it was at this uh, ice house downtown, and it was uh, Robert Earl Keane, who is who's kind of a, a famous country singer, uh, who who kind of panders to the Corpus Christi audience because he wrote a song about. Uh, called Corpus Christi Bay, where he, you know, talks about uh, if he could live his life all over, he would just get drunk at Corpus Christi all the time, which is a questionable, questionable. Hmm. That, that doesn't. I'm not sure. That's a that's a sound choice. It's it's not, it's not approved by the American Dentalism. No, no. Three out of five dentists disagree. Um, <laughs> and the other two are from Corpus Christi. Exactly. They're they're fucking hometown <laughs> referees. Is bullshit. Um, but we went there and it was incredible. It was it was amazing because. We ran into a bunch of old high school chums who all now work on like in the oil refined oh, the oil business the oil field, um, and they're all <laughs> spending their money field. in like spectacularly stupid ways. And um, I can't understand half of them anymore because they all have this bizarre like kind of like Creole pigeon thing going on of like South Texas accent mixed with like the accent of like Cajun dudes they work with. Um, couldn't understand a fucking lick of what most of them were saying. Uh, That's amazing. And there were like country music cougars. Um, amazing. And it was incredible. But uh, if I if I had to pick out one experience of of my Texan Christmas that was the strangest, uh, was one night. I think it was actually the night of Christmas. Uh, we were drinking at my friend's house, and like I. I had finished the better part of a bottle of bourbon and we were all just hanging around, you know, having a nice Christmas. And then we decided, well, somebody suggested, and then we all agreed that we go to like the one bar in our town, which is like the biggest dive. It's such a piece of shit. Um, but we were able to walk over there. So we did. And our, it, it's, it, it's where like our whole, everybody hangs out. Like, so like m many graduating class of our high school are there. It's ridiculous. But we had a pretty good time because, like, old, an old friend of mine's younger brother, like, was a bar back there. So he's, like, setting us up with free drinks. And But then, weird, weirdest thing anybody's ever said to me to try to, like, get me into a, 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 an altercation uh, happened. I was talking – well, this girl, this girl came and talked to me who I hadn't ever – I hadn't really talked to since, like, the sixth grade. Um, and she's talking to me, and then I guess this one dude was just like, I don't know, he was jealous, or but because, and you'll see in a minute, because he, the thing he said to me was not his issue. It couldn't have been unless he was like a man who really cared about the sartorial arts, because he came up to me and he <laughs> oh, goes, he says to me, "Oh my god, hey, 
And I've never spoken to this man before in my entire life. He, he comes to me and he goes, hey, why is your shirt button so high? And and to, to like set up to set up context, like I'm I'm wearing I'm like I'm 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 not dressed like you know some fucking dandy Yankee or something. Like I just have on blue jeans and like a button down shirt with a collar, and a sweater on. No, I didn't have a sweater on. I just had a, I had a jacket that I had taken off. I just had a button button down shirt on, and I had buttoned it up like because I it it feels better to me that way. And like I'm not fucking. Did you, did you have the tie button tied? You know the one at the very very top. No. No, okay. but I like, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not fucking Don Johnson, so I'm not gonna have like chest hair falling out of it. Like, no, 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 that's fair. I'm, I, I'm a big, you know, if you leave the, if you leave the tie button tied, and you're not wearing a tie, you look kind of goofy. But right, but even then, even, even if I was doing that, I'm like, what fucking who gives business? It? Yeah, right. Who gives it? So he says that to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty drunk at this point. So, so abandon has has gone out the window, and I, I was, I was just looked at him, and I was like, hey, go fuck yourself, and. He he, much. he immediately is enraged. Like he he gets in my face <laughs> as he had planned. Right, right. He, I was like, he was like, perfect. I knew that would get him. Uh, and he gets in my face, and I'm I'm bigger than this dude. Like, so he is like he's he's kind of he's menacing me a bit. And then somebody yells at him from the doorway, and like he turns around. He's like, hey, fuck you, man. And like just walks off and leaves the bar. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just dumbstruck. I'm like. Looking around, like, did anybody else hear that? Did, did that really just happen? That is the weirdest fucking like, thing. I'm like, why? Why couldn't you just come up to me and tell me why you hated me so much? Why did you have to dress it up in in a in a sartorial cutdown? Dress it up in a sartorial. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was probably the strangest thing that happened to me down there, other than like other just. Ambient Texas shit. Like one night, I was drinking tequila by a fire while my friend was boiling a deer head. Um, as one does. As one does. You know, that's Texas as hell. And I was like, I was like, why are you that's boiling Texas that deer head? And he's like, to get the meat off it. I was like, well, yeah, I fucking know that. Like, why are you getting the meat <laughs> off the head? He's like, oh, we're probably gonna mount it. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I wanted to make sure y'all weren't making like some kind of like soup. Over deer head or soup. Yeah. Deer head soup. But you know that I kind of it. stuff just happens. You know, whatever. <laughs> I would not. I would not eat deer head soup. That sounds really Hell nice. no. No. But, but, yeah, Christmas was uh, was, inter- was an interesting time. Uh, ha- Colin, Colin, how was Hawaii? Hawaii was, it was pretty good. I uh, Mostly I just hung around my parents' place. Like, the last time I went out there, I went out with uh, my friend Illy. And we basically... We, I friend, a friend of the show. And we, like, drove all over the place, like hit up a ton of restaurants just like did as much stuff as we could possibly cram into the like week or so that i was there and that he was also there and uh it was it was a lot of fun so this time i was like let's keep it a little more low-key um and mostly just hung around my folks place um i did i did uh as we talked about last time I was out there, I did uh, I did code switch back into Pigeon for, <laughs> for most of the trip, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. Um, I uh, you know I, I I actually went to so in Hawaii has the largest open air shopping mall in the world um, called Ala Moana, and it's it's fucking huge. It's gigantic. Uh, but it's really nice because it's it's open to the air, so it doesn't really feel like too much of a mall. Uh, and I went there on Christmas Eve day, I think. Yeah, Christmas Eve day, so like the twenty fourth, and it was not really that crowded, which which was shocking to me. But I had to buy like some last minute Christmas gifts and stuff like that, and so did that. I uh, had really really good dim sum, really fucking good mm. dim sum at this place, uh, Jade Dynasty. Uh, also in Ala Moana, and I was just like blown away by how good the dim sum was. Um, uh, anything else interesting that happened? Um, not super. I, there's a 24-hour coffee place there, which is uh, shocking to me because there aren't 24-hour coffee places in San Francisco. <laughs> so the fact that there would be one in Honolulu would is like. Come on, man! Like, what? Why isn't there anywhere to hang out in 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 
in Hawaii that's like that, or in in, in San Francisco that's like that. Why is yeah. it got me? Would you would you say so. would you say that Honolulu feels just categorically safer than San Francisco? I guess night? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just I think it's just that San Francisco is just like doesn't know what the fuck fuck it's doing in terms yeah. of like <laughs> everything. Like like I don't know. Like people want. There's a set of people here who want San Francisco to basically be like New York, and there's a set of people here who want San Francisco to stay the same as it was like during the 60s, basically. Right. And like, it's just, there's just no one really has a really good, like, independent vision for what San Francisco could be other than like, let's make it like this other thing. Or let's not change it at all. And so, no, I don't know. Nothing really gets done around here for the most part. Like, I'm not, like, super into local politics, so I don't really know the whole deal. But, like, there's just a ton of obstructionism for pretty much anything that's going to go on. Like, people just fucking knee-jerk fight whatever's happening. Like, a good example is they have these, like, parklets that they build here. Like, uh, and they're basically, like, they take over, like, two or three parking spaces in front of a business or, like shop or like something that's fairly popular already and then they they just move the parking remove the parking and put these this like sort of like little deck and then put like public seating where people can hang out um and it's really cool and awesome and like people are super mad about these they're like it's gonna disrupt traffic it's gonna remove parking and blah 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 and it's like what it's like making everything way nicer like because now there's a place for people to hang out like it's public, so it's not owned by some company. Like, it's not some, like, cafe's official seating. It just happens to be in front of a cafe so that, you know, people will actually use it. And it's just, like, I don't know. It's just it's just bonkers. Like, people just don't know what the fuck is going on here. And the public transit uh, situation is just, like, It's so control. bad. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's, like, why... What? Like... Why is why is everything constantly late? Why is why do we have like no buses? Like why do we have no basically no light rail like at all? Like we have like a couple lines that were built like 30 years ago, but where they're doing nothing to improve it and like large areas of the city just aren't reachable on light rail and like I don't know. But it just but it's weird here. But but call it I, I hear Biz Stone and Jack Dorsey have a plan to fix the city with apps. Oh my god. Yeah, that video was like <laughs> that video made me so mad. If you're not, if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's this like video. I've never that, seen this. Oh, <laughs> oh, we'll figure, we'll find it. It's this video basically. We'll post it to Shake. Yeah, it's basically this 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 video of like I don't know who created it, but it's like it's it's like a consortium of CEOs with their heads in their asses. Yeah, and they basically want to like. It's exactly what Philip says. Like, we'll fix the city's problems with apps. And they're, like, apps that, like, like, one of them was, like, we'll have a, like, crazy interactive bus system display that'll tell you when the bus is coming or something like that. I'm, like, what? Or, like, just a bunch of other stuff that's, like. In in the ad. The only people who would use this are, like, rich white people. The ad is so racist. Yeah, it was, like, really, like, just, like. You realize that this is like super privileged, right? Right. Like, yeah. Most people are not gonna like. Well, it's like I don't know. It's like a good example here is like how like there are a lot of people who just like are just like, oh, I'll just take Uber everywhere. Like I don't need public transit, and it's like you, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you don't need to take Uber everywhere. Like what the fuck? Like we don't and also have Uber like, where I live. also like Uber is hella expensive. Like most people can't afford to just Uber constantly wherever they go right like, that's a lot of money and it's uh you know it's expensive to live in san francisco and uh yeah they're basically yeah it's just like if you don't make a hundred thousand dollars or more you can't live in san francisco anymore it's like not it's not quite true but it's like definitely trending towards that yeah it's depressing angry edition <laughs> yes <laughs> What about you, Patrick? You went to fucking Paris. I was in I was in Paris. This is true. It sounds like you have you some interesting it. stories from that. Yeah, uh, I've seen some shit, dudes. I've <laughs> seen some shit. Uh, it was I mean it was absolutely amazing. I mean it's nice to see the family again. Uh, 
what uh, was cool is that uh, my best friend from college, uh, Jolton, ended up uh, in Paris at the same time as I was. Uh, so we got to hang out for like four or five days, and uh, I hadn't got a good, I hadn't gotten a good chance to hang out with him for quite a long time. Uh, and so uh, we we went out, and uh, there's you know my parents live in the sixth arrondissement, which is uh, the university district. It's right in front of the Sorbonne, which is like Paris's main and most like prestigious university. It's founded in 1400s, yeah, uh, and. So my sis and my sister lived there uh, last summer, so she knows all the bars, and uh, she speaks French, and I don't, uh, you know, fuck it. Uh, but so we went out to all these um, incredibly cool, like tiny Parisian bars, uh, just like the most. They've got so much character; it's ridiculous. It's not, and it's not like fake French, cool. You know, it's 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 not quote unquote French. It's just like young people doing cool things, kind of atmosphere. That's awesome. Um, and so and so on New Year's Eve, uh, it was really rainy, uh, and we ended up we ended up being out till like four thirty, and we had to call uh, like we had we had to call a cab, and like my shoes were like completely ruined. But before all of that, uh, we hopped on the Paris Metro. Paris Paris uh, public transit is incredibly good. Uh, I'd say it's like up there with New York for great public transit wow uh and uh so we all cram it and because everybody's going to the eiffel tower so we're like fuck it let's go to the eiffel tower and uh we pack ourselves into these uh fucking just crammed subway carts it's insane as shit uh and we get to the eiffel tower and there's people just fucking everywhere and there's a dude who's got uh, a trash can, uh, like one of those big, you know, like pretty tall trash cans, and he's just got these these like bottles and bottles of champagne, like standing on top of the trash can. He's like, champagne, champagne, twenty euro, twenty euro, and we're like, fuck it, here is your twenty euro, uh, and so that's how. So now you have some champagne, and that's how we bought champagne from a guy off the street. That dude, that dude's a hustler. Like that was like three euro champagne. Like, he was out there grinding. <laughs> he was out there grinding, like seriously pull, pulling like five hundred percent profit there. Uh, and, and it was so it was champagne was so bad that it had a plastic cork. Uh, oh, but we was the bottle at least glass. Yes, the bottle was, was glass. Thank, uh, thank goodness. Uh, and you know, and it wasn't it wasn't champagne. Champagne. It was sparkling wine. Uh, right. Because you can't call it champagne unless it's from Champagne. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we stood in front of the Eiffel Tower, and yeah, um, it lights up at midnight, and fireworks start going off, and we pop the bottle, and it was, it was the coolest New Year's I've ever had. Uh, we then ended up at an, then an incredibly strange thing happened. Uh, we ended up at, like, at a surprisingly nice restaurant, like, we just, we're just, like, walking by, and I guess we were, like, waspy looking enough for them to let us in just because we wanted to <coughs> to drink and uh so we get we get and they show us to a table like n near the back and so we order some french coffees french coffees are awesome by the way they're like irish coffees but they have cognac in them instead of whiskey what? yeah yeah what? they're dope uh and so joel gets a strange look on his face he's he he and ruth are sitting across from me uh and He's like, the people, the, the employees sitting in the booth behind us are just counting money. I, like, I sneak a glance over there, and there is probably 20,000 euros on the table. Jesus. They have, they had, like, we thought they were eating coffee beans because they had this big, like, sack of coffee, you know, the sort of thing that you carry coffee beans in. Then we realized they were putting money, putting money into it. Wow. They just had like, they were just counting shit tons of money. And we're like, what, how? And then a dude comes in, uh, motorcycle helmet in hand, all leather decked out in motorcycle gear. Guy hands him an envelope, wordlessly. Dude walks out, 
sticks the envelope in his helmet, and we're like, holy shit, did we just vi- witness, like, a guy getting paid for being a hitman? <laughs> because that's what it looked like. It was the wow. strangest fucking thing. I've never seen so much cash in my life. That's crazy. Yeah, it was... It, it, was, it was something else. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe they were financing some kind of distributed operation of people selling cheap, fake champagne on the streets. You know, maybe maybe the guy was just the delivery guy for this like place. Yeah, I mean, we figured you know it, he was probably an employee, but like it was just done in the most clandestine and suspicious way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, guys! Like, close off a section of the restaurant. Like, go into the back and do it. Don't count your money out here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of uh, <laughs> I thought of some actually interesting things to say about Hawaii. By the way, instead of just complaining oh, yeah. about San Francisco. Um, so, everyone is familiar with the phenomenon of Christmas music, right? Um, pretty sure. You guys have heard of Christmas music, right? I think I've read about it on Wikipedia. Mm. Right. Um, but, so Hawaii, actually, Hawaii has its very own, just pretty much, when it comes to music, it's got a completely separate musical tradition from the mainland. Like, there's, like, it's it's really, really different. Um and so there's actually a lot of Hawaiian Christmas music, both covers of traditional Christmas songs like, uh, you know, like Jingle Bells and like all that stuff, and also like unique Hawaiian Christmas songs. Can, can, can uh, I ask you a question the most real famous quick? of which is Mele okay. Kikimaka. Question answered. Uh, yeah, question. Is, I, is, that, is, that, is that like, you know, is that the most obvious of the, Christmas, the Hawaiian Christmas songs? Like, is, that's not a deep, yeah, like that's not a deep cut. Like, yeah, that's probably the most well-known of, especially outside, like, Hawaii. Right. I mean, is it is it um, almost passe because it is so popular? Um, No, I mean, it's pretty pretty popular there, too. Okay. I mean, like, you'll definitely hear it be sung, like, not, you know, unironically, like, just people enjoying the song. Like, it, so what this comes to is that in Hawaii, there's a station, um, 105.1 K-I-N-E, like the kind. Nice. Um, and uh, they play Hawaiian music normally. During pretty much the entire month of December, they play Christmas music only. Hawaiian Christmas music. And that's it. That's all they play. 24 hours a day. That sounds like a block. plot point and a pinch. There's enough novel. that the radio station can have a playlist all month of Hawaiian Christmas music. It's awesome. It's it. I had that's what I had it tuned to for pretty much the entire time I was there. It's great. Yeah, that sounds like a plot um, point from Inherent Vice by Pynchon. <laughs> yeah, seriously, some sort of like, yeah, exactly. No, it, it's and and what's what's cool about it too is that it's just people just it's not like cynical at all. It's just people are just like super jazzed about Christmas. They just fucking love Christmas there. Yeah, don't don't you kind of hate people who who just very vociferously hate Christmas music. Yeah, it's like, come on, man, like, some of us like this stuff. Like, why, why spread the, why spread the hate? Like, what's the purpose of yeah, that? Yeah, why, why spread, why spread bad tidings? Like, you're a dick. <laughs> just in, yeah, exactly. And just in general, too, right? Like, when anybody is like, like, just in general post a bunch of negative stuff about something in general like i don't like this or this whole thing is bad or i don't like this group of people or this like uh, like group of people meaning like not like racism but like i don't like people who do x or whatever or people who are you know whatever some other sort of classification of, of, of people so you would it say you're me. negative it about negative it's, it's negative like, people. why not be positive like why 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 tear other people down? What's the purpose of that? Just to make yourself feel big? Like, it's bullshit, man. It's an easy complaint, and it's so much easier to be negative than it is to be. It's hard work to be happy. Uh, it's right. A, it's a lot. E- it's a lot easier to be kind of existentially pissed off than it is to actually, you know, view the world in any meaningful or uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, uh, a sen- uh, in a, to view the world in a sense that builds things rather than t- uh, t- 
tears things down. A construct, constructive, that's the word I'm looking for, to view it in a constructive way. Uh, it, it takes like serious effort, and I almost wish somebody had told me that you know being happy and being like a person who was who, who isn't like awful to be around because they're just pissed off all the time. It takes hard work. It's like oh, it's it's also being expressing like a positive choice about something is also vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. Because like if you if you like ironic are you like ironically like oh man everything that's so stupid like whatever like like no one can criticize you you'll be like or say like um say about you oh you're like you're dumb for liking that right when you say like i you know like let's say you like unironically like journey like you just really fucking love journey like their whole catalog not just the like two songs that <laughs> know, you just like you know what i fuck i'm fucking into journey like someone could seriously like cut you down about that they could be like man you know <laughs> what year is it like you know like the 80s called they wanted their band back man like you know what i mean whatever like whatever crazy insult you could think of like someone could do someone could say something really hurtful about you if you if you express your 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 actual enthusiasm for something uh and so it, it takes it does take some courage to do that whereas just you know and this is where this is where uh, ironically liking things comes from right right because you're like oh i watch glee but just ironically, then you're safe, right? Because mm -hmm. if someone's like, "Wow, Glee is so dumb," you're like, "I know, right? It's awesome. I love watching how dumb it is." Like, you're, hedge you're hedging your you bets. Can, like, uh, you can both enjoy it, but also be safe from anybody criticizing it. Because you're like, "No, no, no! I realize it sucks, but that's why I like to watch it so much." And so it's it's just this. It's like, come on, man! Like, shit or get off the pot. Like, either like it or don't like it. Like, ironic liking of things is dumb. Don't do it. Yep. Agreed. I have one more France story, and it's Go almost it. as insane as the other one. I went to what I can only describe as the high church of tea. <laughs> I mean, now, I'm, I'm a tea enthusiast. Uh, I drink, like, six to eight cups of tea a day. Because uh, tea kicks ass. Fuck you if you don't like tea. Uh... But this tea shop called Mariage Frère, uh, the, mar the brothers' marriages, uh, is the most insane, one of the most insane retail establishments I've ever seen. Uh, you walk in, and the first floor is like the classiest tea shop you've ever seen. It's like walking into like Tiffany's or like an incredibly high-end jeweler's, but there's just tea everywhere. That's nuts. They got, like, the glass counters yeah, and everything yeah, like that? Yeah, like, yep, Just, like, and the walls are lined with, you know, these... They sell thousands upon thousands. I, I'm, I would estimate, like, the menu they gave us... And I'm getting to, to the part where we actually drank tea in there. I would estimate that the menu they gave us had probably 2,500 different teas. What? Yeah, yeah. Not, not exaggerating at all. Uh, that's like that's like dozens of pages of menu. Uh, tiny type, eight total. Like it was, it was. It's a fold-out menu and it had four sections, so eight pages of tiny typed teas. Wow, dude. <laughs> they have so many teas. You have, there's like a reference number for each one. That's crazy. They and use so the, uh, Dewey Decimal. Uh no, not, not <laughs> the Dewey Decimal. Uh. Dewey would have been fucking, like, outmatched here. He wouldn't have known <laughs> what the fuck. He wouldn't have been able to tell his head from his ass. He would just be astounded by the sheer amount of tea. Yeah, I said it. Fuck yeah. Dewey. Dewey's head, head and ass were famously similar, though, in, in appearance. Well, well they're, they're, they're filed right next to each other, so it's understandable. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so then you go up to the second floor, which is even more unreal, because it's where, like... You can sit down, like, they serve food, but, like, it is mainly a tea, like, serving place. And, like, you have these incredibly tall, super handsome, totally silent, white-suited, white-gloved, white-shoed waiters uh, who speak every language. Like, I heard, them, I heard one speak in Korean, French, and English. I heard another speaking Spanish. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the same guy. 
Um, and they all speak really quietly. And, and you Wait, find yourself... It was, the, it was the same guy speaking French, English, and Korean? Yes. It was crazy. Uh, wow. And uh, they all speak really quietly. And you find yourself speaking really quietly. And that's why I say it's like the high church of tea. Because, like, everything is incredibly like profound there and i had <laughs> the greatest cup of tea i've ever had in my life and like just sitting there like hanging out with my mom like as a white suited waiter like glides noiselessly to our table with like these beautiful teapots and like ex exquisite uh you know cups and saucers i'm like you know what this whole being alive thing is pretty great <laughs> it was the weirdest fucking place in the that one of the weirdest places I've ever been in and I can't wait to go back. I brought some tea I brought a shitload of tea back in my suitcase. I couldn't I almost couldn't fit uh all of my shit in there. Plus all the shit I bought from Uniqlo Paris. <laughs> Hell yeah, Uniqlo. Yeah, dude. Uniqlo Uniqlo Paris. Uniqlo was like, made for Patrick. It really, yeah, we, it really is. I mean, you were, Patrick, as happy as a clam when we went in there in New York uh, last year. You were like, this is amazing! And you, you were just, like, grinning, trying on all the different pants and stuff like that. Yeah, because yeah. they I, I had the me. same reaction, and then, and then I tried on the pants, and I was just sad. Oh, yeah, because you're not, like... You know, uh, like Philip has described himself... Waist. No, He's described no. himself as a bigger butted man. You're not like on some Tom Thumb shit, like. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm I got, on I, got I got, I got some curves, man. Like, yeah, you know, and it, it made me feel bad about myself. Aww. Curves and rolls. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I went and bought normal pants, and it was all good. But I was like, <laughs> it was just, I was just sad. I couldn't partake of the convenience. Well, like Uniqlo sell, sells like totally dope things other than jeans. Surprising, I didn't even buy any Uniqlo jeans. I bought like, I dropped like 200 euro at Uniqlo, but like. And I bought, like, so much shit I couldn't fit into my suitcase, but uh, I didn't buy jeans. I got uh, – they, they sell these, like, sort of Under Armour-like shirts. Yeah, the, the Heat Tech it's, ones. Heat Tech. Heat Tech. Heat Tech. Yes. That shit is rad. They should rename enough, that, this though, because that shit Uniqlo, smells but... terrible after a day wearing it. Uh, hey, Uniqlo, if you want terrible? a sponsor. Yes, because it just soaks in sweat and, like, reuses it. Oh. Yes, this is true. But they were selling Metal Gear Solid branded uh, heat tech clothes. And it is the coolest, now it is the coolest thing that I own. Because it, com it combines two of my great passions, which are Uniqlo and Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> That's awesome. That's totally awesome. So yeah, Uniqlo, if you want to like uh, send me money or got, clothes. We've got a couple things yeah. on the topic list to talk about coming up here. Uh, you guys want to talk about the Gone Away World? We're, we're, we are equipped to do that now. We could do that. Yeah. We are. Okay, so let's... Spoilers. Let's just have a quick, like, couple-second pause for, for for me to add the spoiler bumper. So people who, people who don't want to hear spoilers for the book will insert a little thing right after this that tells you which, uh, where to skip to so you can skip past this. Uh, if you haven't read the book, you definitely should. Um, but yeah, alright, spoiler bumper time. Skip to the 42nd minute of this podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. N yeah, alright, spoiler, spoiler, unsafe zone. Spoiler mode engaged. Yes. So, holy shit, the twist ending, right? Yeah, like, dude, the twist is right? so good. Yes. Dear God. So, the, the funny thing about it for me is that I actually thought i was like what if they're the same person like maybe like two or three chapters into the book yes me and then he convinced me that it wasn't like just through reading the book i was like wait a minute that doesn't make any sense that couldn't be it like no way and then it actually happened and i was like what the fuck like why how what well done nick harkaway well yeah done. i mean like a few chapters before like i i because i i had put it down for a while and i came back and i was like um, the thing that kind of tipped me off, and I think it was because I had put it down for so long, I was like, wait, I forgot the main character's name. And then I was like, wait a second. 
they never give him a name. And, like, you know, that kind of gave me a flashback to, like, Fight Club. And I was like, maybe. But then, like, I bought back into it. And then when they revealed it, I was like, what the fuck? And then, like, I although I want to talk about this. I've been wanting to talk about this since I finished it. Um, so we can get on the same page. I mean, like, was everything he's talking about, are they are they – are they memories of a history that does not exist or shared memories <coughs> sh- shared memories that of of him as gonzo i believe I, they're shared memories yeah that's what i said gonzo and then there's the the uh, divergence point it, it, the history branches right and cuz cuz yeah. in most cases where he was doing something there was all these always the, these illusions to like gonzo was off doing god's god knows what like i don't know where he was during this time like he was just off doing so and so, like, he was right. he was off. Like in school, yeah. he was off doing this thing in school. Like, and you know when he was with the professor, he was like, oh, he was off doing special ops training, and yeah, exactly. And then so the idea is that basically, like, they are that they were the same person, and like half of Gonzo got split out into this this other guy. Than the main character, the protagonist. I'm also kind of reminded of, you know, like people who suffer traumatic brain injury, uh, if they, uh, you know, the brain invents uh, reasons to do why, you know, to do the things it does, it, it sort of fills in the gaps, you know, and you see this in the visual system too, you know, there's a blind spot uh, right in the middle of your, uh, right in the middle of your vision, but your brain fills that in. Yeah. Uh, so like that's what that's what kind of reminded me of that because they split off and you know the the Gonzo part was basically patched over by the the narrator's memories. Uh, that's what that's what it. I I sort of speculated. And, and I really like that, that that he did resolve that. Like the guy did sort of. Yeah, he had this fucked up circumstance of his creation, and like. He kind of isn't a regular person. Like he's got he he was Gonzo, but then he wasn't. And now he's got his own thing happening, and it's like what the fuck. But like, he ended up owning that and like integrating that yeah. into I mean, his own identity. So, so yeah, and, so, and like, he just he develops an identity. Resolved it That's positively. Awesome. I thought that was great because you know we all have parts of ourselves that we're ashamed of or don't want other people to know about or like feel weird talking about or whatever. And it's just like no, that's that's the right way to handle something like that is to like. Be, be it and and so we're clearly we're talking when you say the moment of his creation we're talking about the reification like his physical manifestation rather than right. when he's split off when when they're children when when Gonzo is a child and he's split off into like this this section of his psyche oh yeah 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 the the, the physical reification of his of him right when he gets like, hit with the stuff right yeah um, yeah when the stuff dumps on Gonzo and uh, the other half of him like reifies and like it's pretty horrifying the part that like the part that affected me and it's like because you can draw comparisons to you know fight club because you've got the uh the you know the two people sort of thing and the twist but like the part that like hit me really hard in a way that fight club didn't at all was there's that scene where the narrator goes back to like he hasn't really figured out what's going on yet uh and, and he goes back he to the goes house. Back to uh, Gonzo. He goes back to what he thinks is his house. And, and it's been a while since I've read this, so I may be remembering it incorrectly. And he has a conversation with Gonzo's wife. Oh yeah, that part is fucking it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, right, right. and she has like she just like freaks out and like doesn't really know what's going on. Uh, yep. And then Gonzo shows up and then tries to kill him. Yeah, it, and you're just like oh. Oh, oh, God. No, I, like, so, I, having read it recently, like, they, they, they show up together, and they go in the house, or no, no, he shows up and goes in the house, and, but, like, she pays no attention to him, she's just paying attention to Gonzo, like, they get out of the truck, and instead of coming to him, she goes and kisses and embraces Gonzo, and they go inside and pay him no mind, and, like, there's a dog, and all this shit he doesn't remember, and then, you know, they're just, they just go about their life, and, like, uh, presumably go upstairs and have sex and he just sleeps there then the next morning yeah gonzo takes him out and you know tries to fucking murder him right and and she just well, barely recognizes all she looks at him with is pity right yeah then that's that's what, like the pity is like that hurts yeah yeah and imagine being in gonzo's shoes though right like oh, this dude, part yeah. of yourself that you know 
was there. And you were kind of shutting out and like not really dealing with, it. and then it becomes real. Like imagine how fucking scary that must that would be, right? Like how horrifying is that? Like, like literally everything you've repressed about yourself becomes a physical manifestation. You can be damn sure I'd try to murder my like id self right i'd be like yeah, exactly. i hate you i hate everything about you yeah yeah it's a, it's fucking brilliant but you should pick up angel maker uh, yeah Philip. absolutely yeah, i like angel, i liked i liked it's, angel it's maker my list. and i liked the gone away world and i yeah. fucking loved the gone away world it really was a fantastic book i was kind of blown away by it. like and if i have any criticisms about it was and it, at some points he kind of it, it's it's not a very tight book at least I didn't feel – I feel like there are some points where like it kind of uh, really indulges itself in description. <laughs> yeah, he get, he lets it get away from – get out from under yeah. him a little bit. Like, I, and, and, like, and it is his first novel, so it's like he kind of indulges in like a lot of description and parentheticals and asides, which I actually really enjoy, but there may be too many of them. The second His second book is a little bit more – he solves that problem and by embracing it, just because basically what he does is he just creates a bigger he just gives himself a bigger sandbox to play in. Mm-hmm. So there's more happening, there's more going on. So he can indulge and do digressions and side stuff, but it it isn't as it isn't as like unessential to the story. So it's all important stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I do so, really, I do really in, in, enjoy like. That's that kind of thing. And I enjoy it when I like the author's personality because I find that like digressions and parentheticals and asides and things like that are an injection, a, a real serious injection of an author's personality into the story. Absolutely. And 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 I, he seems like I mean the guy just seems hilarious. So like I really enjoy it when he inserts himself into the proceedings a bit. Yeah, it's fucking it, it's fucking great. Um. Do we want to insert an end of spoiler tag here now? Um, yeah, are we done talking about it? I have stuff to say about books, but no longer about the Gone Away World. Okay, we can do the end spoiler tag. End spoiler. End spoiler. Um, on, okay. on another subject of non-spoilery books, uh, Philip recommended to... Uh, I, I got a book named uh, Turing's uh, Cathedral from my sister, and she said, I believe Philip recommended it. Is I, that true, Philip? I, 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 she, I think she picked it out, but I, she asked me if you, if I thought you had read it, and I told her uh, I thought not. Ah, uh, okay. I thought you had recommended it, but in, it, so I was gonna give you props, but you know what, props anyway, because that <laughs> book is awesome. It's all about the genesis of the Manhattan Project and the first computers, and how one was inextricably tied up in the other, and. Uh, it goes pretty deep into the lives of Turing, obviously, uh, but it, it's actually, I mean, I'm not quite finished with it yet. Uh, it goes very, very deep into John von Neumann's life. Hmm. Uh, oh, nice. And, super interesting. Yeah, von Neumann was fascinating uh, and so, and just disgustingly smart. Like, all these people just, like, they, you read about them and you just despair that you're ever going to do anything good, you know? Yeah. Claude, Claude Shannon. Oh, Jesus yeah, Jesus, Christ. yeah. and. Yeah, you ha- and you- it's just like, yeah, uh, Shannon and, like, Zurienko, the inventor of the television, were, like, hanging out. Uh, then and-, and they have, like, records of uh, telegrams from Turing to Kurt Gödel that says, Kurt, uh. Kurt, send von Neumann your notes on, uh, on, on uh, non-computability. Uh <laughs> this is and this is right before Gödel published the incompleteness theorems. Oh my god. And Holy like shit. Von Neumann apparently got the incompleteness theorems and he was like, "Well, shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the incompleteness theorem is like, you know, the big headache in computer science. Yeah, I mean, like, what, what, well, fundamentally when it comes down to it, we can't know. Yeah, there are there in every statement in every uh what what's the formulation in every in every mathematical uh, system that is uh, it can either be consistent uh, and any mathematical system that is consistent and can encode uh, arithmetic statements has true but unprovable statements Uh, and and like 
what was it, DF, DFW in his math book called Girdle the Dark Prince of 20th Century Mathematics. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's also an That awesome is such a badass honorific. Yeah, really fucking great. Uh, I've been reading the new Michael Shaven book, um, Telegraph Avenue, and I'm just like, every fucking page is just like, he's just so good with language. It's just like, you read it and you're just like, what's the fuck, what is the fuck, what the fuck is the point of writing? Like, he's used up all the good, like, analogies and metaphors already. Like, they're already, they're already in this book. Like, there's no point. It's just every – literally every page, there's something that I'm, like, underlining or, like, circling. I'm just like, what the fuck? Who can – how? <laughs> That's the sort of shit you should read, though. You, if you're an aspiring musician, oh, you yeah. should listen to the stuff that makes you never want to be a musician again. Yeah, same with absolutely. writing. Same with programming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I – Well, it's like that Ira – Oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say it's like that Ira Glass thing about, like, your t- – like, the – the thing about taste and, like, your skill and how, like, for the first couple of years you're doing something, like, your taste is still, like, super high. Like, that's why you're doing this in the first place. But your skill is not yet ramped up. So everything you do, you're, like, you look at it and you're, like, well, that's terrible. Yeah. So so you have to keep slogging through. And eventually then you'll get to the point where you're finally actually performing up to the, the taste where you uh, – level of taste that you, you, you have. Yeah. Yeah, I um I get spent a lot. I spent most of my vacation just either drinking or eating or reading, uh, which was delightful. Uh, and I, I read quite a few books, but I, the one I found that I enjoyed the most, and outside of the Gone Away World, which was fantastic, but I had been reading that for quite a while. I, I finished that in short order at the beginning of vacation. Um, was and, and you guys know I'm I'm a huge like fan of like the Who and Pete Townsend, and I finished oh, yeah. his autobiography, Who I Am, and. It's fantastic, I and mean, it's it's kind of just this. It's just fast because like it's not. It, it, I kind of walked into it not expecting the sort of like you know sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing because like he's he doesn't seem like he's he wasn't he, and he wasn't Keith Moon like he was like kind of the right. subdued, quiet member of the group. Um, well, at least I mean, not not as quiet as like John Entwistle or somebody, but like you know he he didn't you know go out and do a ton of coke all the time, at least not publicly and. Um, but it's a fascinating book because, like, it details like his his entire life and and many much of it not about the who, um, and they're going to like you know stuff about being abused as a child and um, then you know kind of a, a very candid look at his uh, issues with drinking and. Um, his marriages and all these things like he, he's a very he's a very very candid writer like he, he will he will detail these terrible things he did and, and constantly be like yeah I was kind of an asshole um, <laughs> but it's it's a fantastic read if you're at, at, at all interested in any of his music or anything or um, just musicians in general because it's it's really cool like seeing the people who kind of make cameos in the book just because the, the you know the time he uh, oh yeah, like, I mean, like, he's like, oh, I was at this party with like you know Graham Chapman, Graham Chapman and Michael Palin, and they're like, I was you know hanging out with you know Mick Jagger and Eric Clapton and, um, dude, can you imagine being a fly on the wall at a party with Monty Python and the Who? Yeah, like, oh my god, I, I was like, that's incredible. He's like, he's, he's like, yes, I walked in and there was Graham Chapman with his boyfriend. He's like, uh, he's like, they were delightful chaps, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, I wish I was at that party. Um. But yeah, it's a great book. Recommend it highly. Neat. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, another uh, on the, man, we're just like powering through books today. I approve. Uh, another in the in the news about books, um, Ryan North, the artist who does dinosaur comics. I would say he's a friend of the show. Uh, I've been reading I've been reading dinosaur comics for like what six years now. Uh, it's fucking great. Yeah. Quants.com. Yes. W-A-N-T-Z. Yes. Or you can just Google Dinosaur Comics. I mean, dude is, dude is a writer's writer. He puts out a comic every weekday. Uh, like, they're always funny or insightful or interesting. Just off the wall, like... It, and if you're not familiar with the comic, the gimmick is that every comic 
uses the same panel layout um, that is assembled from Microsoft Word clipart of dinosaurs. Yes. Um, and th- every panel layout is the same for all like thousand plus comics that he's done. There's there's minor 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 variations, but like week to week is pretty much identical. Yeah. And so he just fills in the text boxes differently. It's like it's just mind blowing. Yeah, and it's also because he's a cartoonist. Like you would call him definitely a cartoonist, but he's not uh, an artist. But he has right. he has an incredible grip on the medium. And he's always fucking hilarious. And his characters, even though they, you know, they always look the same, do, like, leap off the page, and they're just fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. But so what he's done, uh, and I believe the Kickstarter is closed now. I tweeted about this a few times. Uh, was he uh, came up with an idea, and that idea was to do Hamlet in a choose-your-own-adventure style, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Just fundamentally, it's an awesome yeah, idea. Genius. Because Hamlet is all about choice and dithering and, you know, the outcome of, you know, oh, if I do this, what will happen? If I do this, what will happen? Like, that's the fundamental philosophy of the play. Like, that's why what we the audience asks, what the fuck is Hamlet's problem? <laughs> Hamlet is paralyzed by choice. So... <coughs> choose, choose your own morality play. Yeah, exactly. And... Yep. So... He's he, so he's uh, he, he is he has written slash is is and is writing more uh, for a choose your own adventure. A, it raised more money than any other publishing part uh, project on Kickstarter has. Uh, That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, what started out as uh, a choose your own adventure book with like illustrations every third or fourth page like black and white is now going to have every page illustrated like and they've got like the best like comic artists like kate beaton from park of vagrants uh, yeah who's the, the, so funny and casey so green, good uh, casey green from gun show comic uh andrew hussey from ms paint adventures uh plays a big part in it because you know i mean the thing in hamlet is how there's a morality play in the morality play <laughs> right in this in this book, which is called "To Be or Not to Be," there is a choose your own adventure book inside the choose your own adventure book, <laughs> woven into the plot of the, the layout, I guess, of the book. And there, and you can make all the choices uh, that will lead you to the outcome uh, of uh, the actual play. Yeah, the actual play. So you can you can play it straight, as it were, uh, but. It's, uh, I, you know, I made the donation and like they raised so much money. Like he, he, he asked for 20,000 and he made over half a million. Holy what? Yeah. Like, it's just the, like, it just went on and on and on. And like, uh, he he said, if we reach half a million, I will literally explode. (laughs) (laughs) And he had to do some, like, backtracking around that. Because uh, <laughs> they did, in fact, reach out. Because they – yes. They, uh, so he uploaded a video of himself saying thank you, and then at the end, like, he got some special effects artist to explode himself. Uh, That's awesome. But – and they're donating a bunch of it to – they're don- because, because they hit all this uh, – the stretch goals, they're, they're donating a, a ton of copies to schools. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and – He's posted some extracts from it on the Kickstarter. We'll link to it on the show shake or something. Uh, it's hilarious already. It is just the funniest fucking thing. Uh, so I'm super excited for this. And I think you... No, I don't think you can donate money to it anymore. He closed it on January the 1st. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm super, super amped. Speaking of donating, another cool charity thing that's going on right now is that the... Uh... This site called the Speed Demos Archive, which it hosts basically like people take a video game and instead of playing through it like a normal person would, they try to play as quickly as possible. And not just playing like regularly, but like using glitches and like being able to skip sections of the game or go off the map or whatever to try and complete the game as quickly as possible. And this site, Speed Demos Archive, hosts the replays of them playing these games and there's a there's another site called speedruns live which is like people racing against each other to play games 
um, fast and quickly. And every year, actually, actually, it's more often than once a year, but at least every year, they do a charity marathon where they play, they speed run games nonstop for like over a week. And it's going on right now. Literally right now as we record this, they're doing Wind Waker. And I was watching a little bit of it before um, the show started, and it's just ridiculous. Like, one of the glitches that they use is, like, this thing called super swimming, which is somehow by, like, getting stuck underneath this dock or something like that, they can, like, get the, keep the momentum going for, for, for Link and then shoot all the way across the ocean to the other side of the map so you don't have to sail. You can just like super swim from one side of the map to the other. You know this does. Um, uh, this does. It's just uh, ridiculous. The, the Ocarina of Time run. They did a hundred percent Ocarina of Time, which is basically meaning like you every item that's on that quest screen they get. So they get all the medallions, they get all the songs, they get all the skulltulas, they do all that stuff. What about what about Bomb Chew Alley? It took him like six hours. Do, do they do Bomb Chew Alley? Yeah, he got had to get all the the upgrades. Holy so shit. he had to do the Bomb Chew stuff. And actually, bomb chews were very useful. Oh yeah, in the run like he used tons of bomb chews for like one of them is this glitch where you can like basically hover in the air using by like shield guarding the explosion and then get knocked into the air and then like the game doesn't know that you're in there so you just stay there and you can just keep doing that. <laughs> it's like ridiculous because all the game is just ridiculously broken. And then after that, they did an what's called an any percent run where you um, basically just beat the game. doesn't matter how much stuff you get in like 22 minutes by basically they go into the first, you know, the Deku tree, the first temple. And after being the boss, by after doing a specific series of like things and like glitches, like just, that just looked insane. Like he ran back and forth across the room. Like, glitched to pull out a fake ocarina played that at the same time as he was doing that he stepped into the warp zone to warp out of there and at the same time also killed himself and then because and then when all that animations had finished playing he ended up in Ganon's castle at the end of the game as child link what and then proceeded to run out of the like do all the running out of the castle as a kid and then beat ganon as a kid and the, the, end, the game was over. Wow. What? It was ridiculous. It was just like, holy shit, how are you? And the whole time he was doing this too, it was awesome. He was giving a little mini seminar on how the the game got to be this fast. Like the history of it all. Like So like so originally the game was you basically did, did it in the natural order. And he was like detailing the different like skips that they found in different orders. Like so you – oh, you could skip this. And like one of the skips that they found like – before they found this one was literally you skip just directly to the end credits from Dodongo's Cavern. Hacks. And it turns out that this is actually faster. Like, doing this, like... Because you actually have to leave and leave Kokiri Forest before you're supposed to do a bunch of stuff, then come back, beat the Deku Tree, and then at the end of that, then do this, like, crazy warp thing and warp in again in his castle. It's just ridiculous. And, like... Um, it's they're raising. They've raised almost. They've raised over three hundred thousand dollars for cancer research. That's dope. Three hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing because you can the contributions of regular people, and they read out the donations as they're getting them. And it's mostly people donating like five bucks, twenty bucks. Like it's just a lot of people are watching this and donating. It's really fucking cool. What I find super cool is when like you have people doing it on older games. Uh, like uh, Super Mario or something, yeah. and when you and then you can uh, you can open up like because like people have reverse engineered you know all of the Mario games like right j- just because you know they've been out for like what twenty five years like it's it's the, the binary is essentially a document now you know like a document right. in the historical sense, uh, and people have b- had picked it apart so now so they can like point out the glitches that they use and they say like be- because. <clears throat> They don't check, you know, for this value here. We can, you know, jump to here. And I'm just like, what? That's so cool. You're, you've, you wrote a bug report for Mario. and Yeah, exactly. That's how this you... other thing, one of these glitches works. is like basically like when they, when they have a 
when the cutscene plays, it the cutscene for that location is just like some offset at the after the end of the world data for that dungeon. So it just like adds, you know, twenty five or whatever. And it just so happens that the way things are laid out after the basement of the Deku tree is Ganon's castle. Uh. So and there's no cutscene that's supposed to play in the basement of the Deku tree. So they like so or something like that, so it skips to Ganon's castle instead. So it's just like there's like yeah, we'll use whatever like Mem- random memory offset like tricks that the programmers did to cram it all into the like you know ridiculously small cartridge we'll use that to our advantage to help us skip sections of the game Shit is ridiculous crazy. and you know props to them for raising money yeah yep and the guy who who's the guy who uh, did the speed run for for ocarina of time did it while wearing this ball and ass Link costume. <laughs> like, it was made by his sister who was, like, studying fashion design. And it was, like, seriously the one of the best Link costumes I've ever seen. Did he yell, hut, hut, hut? He did a little bit. He also had, like, like when he got the slingshot, he pulled the slingshot out of his bag. Nice. And, like, held it up. Um... Which was really funny. Everybody laughed at that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about? No, we're I like think... The one-hour-ish mark. Yeah, we, we crossed all the things off the list. Did anything come to anybody while we were talking that they wanted to bring up? Any sort of, like, last-minute... We didn't talk about rap. Oh, shit. So, oh, Earl, Earl finished Doris. Yes, Earl Sweatshirt has finished his album, and now I'm just going to put myself in a medically induced coma until it comes out. Yeah. Okay, that was that was a cl- <laughs> that was a close one, Colin. Yeah. We almost got by without talking about rap. Good good call there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was fucking close. Raekwon uh, Raekwon's coming out with a new EP next week, yeah. uh, in which the title of of which is Lost Jewelry, but he spells jewelry wrong, and it's like making me really sad <laughs> and upset. <laughs> It doesn't have the second E. It's just J E W L R Y, and I'm just like, no, Raekwon. Is it spell check? Is it please. some kind of like Semitic thing, or I don't know. I don't know why it's like lost. I don't know why it's spelled like that. I don't understand. Like, oh, so spe- uh, more things about rap. Uh, I checked out uh, Ice T's documentary about rap. I've been meaning to watch uh, that. It, it's it's great. I watched it the other day. Uh, it's called Something from Nothing, The Art of Rap. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, highly recommended. Awesomely I'll shot. I'll check that out. Uh, I, I see he's great because he's got really good like screen presence, you know, and because he's been acting for so long. Uh, so yep. it's never, like, awkward. He, and he goes back, you know, he talks to, you know, all of the masters, you know, uh, fucking, like, Africa Bambata, you know, like, run, yeah. you know, like the surviving members of Run DMC, you know. Like he he starts and you know uh, talks to, he talks to Dougie Fresh, uh, Dougie yeah. Fresh. Excuse, excuse me, Dougie. Um, and he uh, and the the uh, cool thing is that um, like he, he talks to like pretty much everybody. Uh, cool thing is that everybody who he interviews, he has them do a verse. Uh, nice. So you can you can sort of and you can gauge like you know. Like, cause the, er- the you know the the earlier like the masters you know who are like they're like fifty ish at, at this point you know yeah like 50, 55, you know they're they're not old men either but you know and but you can hear you know they're old I mean the interview he does with Rakim is incredible because Rakim is just I mean Rakim's so smart and then the way he describe the way Rakim describes how he writes songs and how he writes his lyrics to fit into beats. It's just the coolest thing I ever heard. I'm not even going to repeat it because it's so cool and you need to watch it. Uh, but, like, when he has people do verses, you can really see how, you know, some people are good rappers. And then you have people like Rakim and Eminem who are great rappers. Who, who you know, just do things that like, they, make you, they make your jaw drop. Like... They make you, they make you uh, fucking like just flip your wig. Kanye actually has a really good interview uh, do, as well. So do they do they do the verses like do they write them like 
live with him? Uh, is it like a, fit, a timed thing? Like, do they have like 15 minutes to write a verse? Or is it like... I don't, like, there were a couple people who he interviews, like, he does show them in the process of writing. Uh, okay. A couple people uh, do, um, KRS-One, just, he does his, like, free, uh, just off the, off the, off the dome, like, freestyle. And Snoop does his freestyle. Um, Kanye, Kanye doesn't freestyle, so, like, he did, uh, the, he did the verse from uh, Power, which is, uh, that's a fucking great verse, so, uh, it's, it was really captivating. Um, I've never heard like M. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if uh, I know MM can freestyle really well. So I think it may have been a freestyle, but it was like so good that I almost want to believe that he had written it down. This is is one of the better verses I've ever heard, and I'm just still like flipping out from it. <laughs> it's a great documentary. Highly recommended. Just uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um. Cool. Yeah. I will. <clears throat> I will check that out. I'm starting to, my voice is starting to go at this point. So. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up, dudes. Until next time. No, no. Thank, thanks to everyone, and happy New Year. I guess whatever. Eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> from from all Man's... of us at Postmodem, eat a dick. I'm not fucking Don Johnson.